Welcome to Fratello On Air, a podcast brought to you by members from Fratello Watches. Here we are at episode four, and I'm Mike Stockton, coming to you from Frankfurt, um, Mine, Germany. And here is Daniel, coming to you from Frankfurt, Germany as well, as I'm lucky to be the guest. Yeah, Daniel is here in town. He's uh, bunking here in... Uh, Hacienda Frankfurt. He's uh, got an appointment tomorrow at the U.S. consulate to get a new passport. So, so and depending on the on how the episode goes, I might not be sleeping here. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. And we're uh, we're actually sitting here uh, drinking a couple uh, American uh, light beers. Cheers to that. Yeah, we've got Miller Light here. Uh, in cans. Cheers, Daniel. Prost. As my uh, wife has a colleague that uh, has access to the PX, he's a retired Air Force person, so it's a little ironic to be drinking out of a can that says a fine Pilsner beer here in Germany, because uh, how would you describe the taste? Uh, you know, 50% German <laughs> would put it like uh, watery. A bit watery, yeah. But, you know, yeah. Um, my last name being Mueller, or Müller in German, which translates to Miller in English. It actually, you know, fits me well, and I like the drink. Brings some memories of my time in the U.S. Yeah, 96 so. calories, you know. Tastes great, less filling. So, so that means that I already consumed 960 calories. When yeah. I- <laughs> So, uh, yeah, so, so thanks for tuning in, and uh, yeah, as said, we're here on episode four, and we've got, I think, a pretty good agenda for you. As uh, you can see, RJ is off on, on vacation, so we've shaken up the lineup tonight with, uh, with Daniel here with me, and uh, we're going to start off, uh, give you a little intro on Daniel. We'll talk a little bit about what we're wearing Then we're going to go through a uh, collection spotlight where we'll each talk about a few of our watches. And then we got a question from Peter from Poughkeepsie, New York, asking us uh, about our favorite below 40 millimeter sports watches. So we'll each pick a few out there and, and talk about why we like those so much. So... But let's kick it off here, uh, Daniel. Why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Because you are the newest member of Team Fratello. Yeah, that's right. Thank you. Yeah, I joined Fratello on the first of June this year, so just broke into my third month as of right now, and it just started as being a watch enthusiast and a newsletter subscriber of Fratello. I got my uh, first and uh, as of right now only Speedmaster in March of 2016 actually on a Tuesday and yeah then I was lucky enough to see the newsletter uh, where we or where you back then invited to a Speedy Tuesday event Omega HQ and Beal I think that was in November 2016 mm-hmm. and yeah I joined that event and 
uh, was the first time where I got in touch with you, Bert, uh, Gerard, and RJ, and it was an awesome event, and actually one of the, f the first watch event I've ever went to, okay. and that kind of, you know, although being a, a long-time watch enthusiast or and reader of Fratello as well, that just introduced me to that, and the rest is history. <laughs> nice. And and you um, you actually went through a little bit of an interview process and all to uh, join Fratello, yeah? Yeah, talking about assessment center and full day interview drills and so on. But yeah, that you know, I had some talks with RJ and with uh, some others as well. So that was you know obviously as I remember when the the job opening became official so to say i already had my first i think that was the day when i had my first official interview because rj actually asked me at the speedy tuesday get together that we had on the 8th of january um, when it was in at beale as well when the 321 caliber was announced the reintroduction of that so and then in the evening when the social part was and we went to the restaurant he actually um, because we met at an event last year as well which was at uh, uh, chrono 24 mm. hq in karlsruhe which was another very nice ex event and yeah he's you know when we got to know each other and that's actually a interesting part of today's pro or i say like um, process how you can um, get into a job because we just knew each other from Instagram and so on and I was more active on Instagram in the last year and you know tag Fratello when I posted my Speedy Tuesday shots and so on and yeah then he asked me if I could you know imagine working for Fratello because you know there are certain plans we have in, <laughs> in store or back then RJ said and he we want to grow and then he said that he's looking into hiring new people and that uh, I was one of the people he was thinking of. And then after me meeting a couple of times and giving me like a, a big use or like a big, um, how you call it, like a, a task to do where I like, uh, had like four hours to prepare, prepare a case study. Mm. And obviously it didn't turn out so bad because here I am sitting in Frankfurt drinking Miller Lite with you and talking <laughs> about watches. Well, we're glad and getting paid for it. Yeah, well, we're glad you're here, and I and I think um, if you're a fan of Vertello and and you follow us on Instagram, um, you're probably uh, aware that we've stepped up our game in terms of of just media in general, and uh, certainly during Basil, uh, while Daniel wasn't officially a member, you got to see him. Uh, party a little bit at the uh with the oris crew oh, etc oh, yeah, so with the bear mask i yeah. remember that yeah shout out to my uh, friends from the rewatch team uh ferenc martin uh, retic g on instagram he was there as well as the oris party as i got him on the guest list as well and yeah I've had a good time there i put the bear mask <laughs> on and <laughs> probably you drank something stronger than miller light i guess huh? uh, yeah but had a good time i you know it didn't get me fired, but I yeah, totally forget forgot about Baselworld because it was really awesome that we got that sealed with the entire program or of you know me joining because I only joined in in June, but at that point I already um, 
handed in my leave of absence at my other place, so uh, it was impossible for me to attend to Basel for at least three days. And it was just awesome to be part of the team because the only time I'd been to Basel World so far was, I think, in 2016. Actually, on the day I received my Speedmaster, I think one or two days later, I went to Basel for the first time, but then as a just uh, normal visitor. And yeah, then three years later, I went there and had the press badge and saw the people uh, that I only knew writing about articles or saw on YouTube videos so far. That was really a great experience. Well, good. Well, look, we're really happy to have you. And I mean, honestly, we've uh, we've noticed a change since you've arrived. We're more we're more organized now, and I think um, hopefully hopefully the fans out there notice it as well. So. But you know, as you're as you're not one who who does uh, who does writing for the site, I think uh, you're, you're more behind the scenes. I think um, some people know you from from your various uh, social media interactions. But why don't you tell us? Uh, we'll kind of kick things off. Why don't you tell us a little bit about what you're what you got on your wrist today? Okay, today I'm actually wearing one of my last acquisitions that would be the Seamaster Trilogy edition for the 60th anniversary uh, which was issued at Basel World 2017 mm. and this is the Seamaster variant of that. Today I'm wearing it on the OEM Omega strap which I haven't done so far because I got it on the day um, on June 26th to from an actually I think that was my very first and only AD experience I've had so far I mm. got it from the Zurich Omega AD nice. and on that day I I dropped my Speedmaster on the tiles as well so that one has been out of commission since then but yeah I love this piece it was issued in 2017 um, I have number 3030 of how many was it again 3557 I think yes and I was really amazed that they still of them are still floating around at at ADs yeah I, I, I think honestly all three of those were fantastic I bought the Speedmaster and I reviewed that Seamaster I actually read that article a couple of times while <laughs> thinking shall I jump on it or not but I Really, just wanted something a watch to commemorate this special occasion of becoming part oh, of Fratello. It's a great choice, I, you know. But yeah, all three of those were amazing watches. And to your point, how they're still around and, and available is uh, kind of a kind of a shame. Well, I mean, it's a good opportunity for somebody who wants a great watch, but it's surprising. So yeah, I even see these on the you know, and uh, I think. As a, you know, some people have been in touch with on Instagram. Obviously, have that watch as well, or just bought it. They can actually be had at a decent price. I, mm. uh, like some of them, uh, as far as like four and a half yeah. uh, grand dollars. That is, I think, because they retail or retailed at six thousand six hundred euros, which is around seven thousand dollars right now. Mm. But you know, some limited editions skyrocket. Especially from Omega, others more or less plunge. Looking at the Spectre Seamaster, that is still being Expensive sold over watch, yeah. over retail. But you know that's not really important for me. I don't think about resale 
value that much. And I just love this watch. It's the most worn watch that I've had this summer, but I'm going to talk a little bit more about it when we come to a different Great. section. Great. So on my wrist is the Oris Big Crown Pointer Date uh, Bronze. And this is the one that I wrote an article on not too long ago, but it's got a um, kind of a oxblood burgundy dial that uh, debuted this year on the 40 millimeter steel version. And yeah, I got some emails from some people um, about exactly how I did this. And frankly, I bought the um, 40 millimeter bronze, I guess it's the, I think it's the 80th anniversary edition and came with a green dial and I got a loose um, oxblood dial and I had our watchmaker Paul in the Netherlands switch it out. So <clears throat> Oris at the time wasn't overly interested in, in fitting that um, oxblood dial to the watch uh, out of the factory. Um, they wanted to keep things um, stock, but yeah, I had it switched out and I've never done anything like that. Uh, modifying a watch is not something that I'm really um, in favor of generally. Um, I'm kind of a stickler for original, but I just really thought that the uh, oxblood would go well with the, the bronze, especially as the bronze started to age. And I love it. I, I wear this watch a lot. Um, it's a really slim uh, case and even at 40 millimeters it's not too big and on the factory strap this like vegetable tan brown it looks great it, it just um, fits with everything it actually gets a lot of comments I've had a lot of people you know some are into watches some are not just oh what is that and when I tell them it's a bronze case they're kind of surprised as well so anyhow it's on my that's on my wrist today looks so, great yeah thanks. really does look great and yeah, size is awesome as well, works well, and especially on a not so hot and, you know, more or less rainy day in Frankfurt. It actually, um, you know, works out wearing a strap today as well, even if it's summer. Yeah, yeah, oh, that's cool. All right, so what we're going to get on to next is um, a bit of a collection spotlight, and what we thought we'd do is pick a few of our watches, and I kind of did this at random, but um, <clears throat> kind of just talk a little bit about the watch, and we'll go back and forth. So, you know, we'll kick it off with Daniel here. And uh, Daniel, what's your what's the first watch in your collection you wanted to talk about? Okay, just had a sip of the nice Miller again. <laughs> okay, the first one I'd start off with would actually be my first Omega in Space Speedmaster Moon Watch, as it I think is officially called by Omega. That's the watch that I got in March 2016. It has the uh, smaller case, uh, 39.7 millimeters, and does not have the crown guards. That's actually what I really liked about mm. it. I, I think it was December 2015 I went to an AD. And I think that was actually the first time that I ever went into an Omega boutique and actually tried some watches on, mm. not just to, to, to look through the the glass and just um, actually go inside have the sit down experience and have them show me some watches and I tried at that time I really liked the 1957 one if oh, you remember yeah, that yeah, one yeah. the one that George Clooney did a lot of advertising for they had 
that was but I think with the Bicompex yep. register and they had like different several different versions one was that like a blue glossy dial and with a red chrono seconds hand but and I like the one with this uh, had like kind of um, loom or, or faded loom and it was like more um, kind of vintage looking more yeah. vintage looking not to say full patina but I'll come to that later but yeah it was a bit bigger it uh, wasn't in the 42 millimeter case and it just didn't look right on my on my wrist and then I actually tried on the regular Moonwatch and I like that as well but I don't or didn't and still don't like the contemporary Speedmaster bracelets they yeah. put on that which is what the shiny little center links they have there and then I looked at the first Omega in space and immediately took well uh, to the size and how it looks with the straight lugs w with no crown guards. Only thing I didn't really like that it didn't come with a bracelet. So I did some research on Omega forms and so else and I um, actually then bought the reference 1125 19 millimeter mm. uh, bracelet with I think 560 endlings before I actually bought the watch I said okay oh wow um, I got that bracelet and says okay I'm gonna buy that watch then because you know I didn't it's like nice calf leather strap on the first Omega space but I really only wanted to have it if I had that option to actually put it on a nice bracelet as well so and as that one is 19 millimeters I had to check a little bit but I I got that one and at that point I was quite amazed because I contacted like several ADs and it was in Germany and I think I called five different ones and I got like five different prices. <laughs> some, some said 300 euros which was the um, retail price for it back then but some said um, 50 euros of shipping costs and the other said 30 and the other said 80 and then I ended up at one and they said 300 uh, retail price and no uh, shipping costs at all hmm. and I think right now you can still order them as far as I know nice. but they had a price increase and the last time I checked the um, bracelet cost like 425 euros or so hmm. so there was quite a increase in that and yeah love that watches to bit because it more or less got me to this Fratello event and back in 2016 because I don't really know if I had joined or would have joined the Speedy Tuesday event if I hadn't had a Speedmaster myself. Yeah. So, and as you talked about modding, so to say, your Oris uh, pointer date, I did some minor changes to that because on that day I received, um, you know, our Speedy Tuesday events, it's more or less common that, you know, all the attendees get a little goodie bag with something in it. And back then that was the first time they did it. And every attendee, I think we're like 35 or so were there, got a nice little plaque with the case back um, uh, saying you know the first watch worn on the moon and their name uh, engraved on the case back so I on my Speedmaster I have that case back put on there and then besides that because the first Omega in space has the sapphire crystal I yeah um, just didn't like the milky edge that it had mm. of the sapphire crystal and then I got into touch um, over I think it was Instagram account my.wrist he uh, doesn't post often what, but when he does he he does it very nicely uh, with his modded Speedmaster and he brought me into touch or got me into touch with uh, Lucas I think his Instagram is uh, lucas.ast we will link it in the show notes 
and he actually did the Hesalite mod for me. So to put the Hesalite crystal into the onto the case of the first Omega in space, hmm. because he had to like file it in a lengthy process, a hand file it, and it took him like a couple of hours, but it looked very very cool. Check my Instagram on Dan Mueller. I have some pictures and actually one story about it where I put some pictures of the modding process on it as well. But as I dropped the watch on the 26th of June as my Seamaster arrived, um, yeah, the Hesselite broke and the watch doesn't work anymore. So I'm going to have to get in a new one for that. And the final change that I did on that Speedy was that I exchanged the... Uh, the I don't have the watch in front of me, but one of the subdials um, was with a leaf-shaped mm. um, silver one, with the one of the constant seconds, yep. and I changed that to a white stick marker as well. Nice. So, yeah, that's the changes that I had done to that Speedy, and that was, or and is a very important watch to me as a, that was the watch that I wore when my second kid, Lizzie, was born like uh, two years ago. I timed, uh, I think I wrote something about that on my on the R About page on Fratello, um, that I timed the contractions of my wife while she was in childbirth <laughs> with it. Actually, as I showed her that page and that I wrote about that, she actually wasn't so amused that I yeah. wrote about that. But anyway, that would be my first pick. You want to do it yeah. back and forth and you talk about your first pick? Sure. And, and just a comment on that, on, on your uh, first Omega in space, I mean... On paper and um, certainly some photos, I mean, it's such an attractive watch, but I think for myself and for a lot of people, it kind of leaves me a bit cold. I think it is because of that sapphire crystal. And, you know, when I first met you and you were wearing that watch, the addition of Hesalite just just really changes it. And, you know, the case back that it comes with is kind of neat, but the fact that you put your personalized case back on there also makes it really special. So I I think, yeah, well done with that one. I mean, it, it's really a unique watch, and I've, I've been to events with you, and a lot of people ask about it. They want to know what the heck it is. So it's a cool watch. So, yeah, thank you. Yeah. All right, so so my first one I'll pick is a... Um, this is a an original... Uh, 1966 uh, Doxa Sea Rambler uh, Sub 300 No T. So this was um, this was really the first um, Sub 300 that Doxa made, and so yeah, back in 2016, Doxa commemorated uh, the 50th anniversary of the Sub 300 with uh, 300 Shark Hunters, the, which is the black dial, 300 Orange, which is the professional, and 300 of the uh, Sea Rambler. And I bought um, an even later limited edition. They did the Black Lung, which had the um, scuba tank insignia down on the, um, the lower left-hand side for uh, Aqualung. And I, I, I really like wearing it, but I always wanted an original one. And um, Andreas at uh, local time out of Cyprus uh, found this one. And he found it in the U.S. and I was actually over in the U.S. for work. So I said, yeah, I said I'm interested. And um, he had it shipped directly to me. And it's 
it's a cool watch. I mean, the, these original Doxas are, are neat watches. I think, um, you know, if you listen to the Grey NATO, certainly the guys on there, James and Jason, are, are big fans of these. And um, Jason in particular is a pretty accomplished diver. And, you know, he, he's very right. I mean, these are these are not what you would call beautiful watches. They're very functional. They've got a, a no-decompression dial. Um, uh, bezel on there and you can hear Daniel kind of clicking uh, clicking this thing away um, that's how it fell <laughs> yeah <laughs> but you know this one is in it's in decent shape it's been um, it's been polished the case and unfortunately somebody put uh, kind of a matte polishing um, sort of a sunray versus a, a radial polish um, the big um, I guess you'd kind of call it like a top hat type crystal has been replaced with something else. And the crown has been replaced with something I think Lejour or um, Yema would have used, which is the same crown that Doxa used, except uh, on these original ones, they were signed. Um, so it's it's definitely had some work done. Um, it's possible that one of the hands was relumed, but in the end, I, I really don't care. Um and and again, I'm going against my originality uh, view here, but you know these watches were made to be used, and this one was clearly used. Um, but I but I feel pretty fortunate to have it because they're pretty rare. They're pretty tough to find. You know, you hear all kinds of theories about how many original you know sub 300 no T's are around, and uh, I don't know if I subscribed to any of those, but um, yeah, they're they're pretty uncommon and. They're expensive today, but I still think in the um, in the scheme of things, versus a lot of other iconic dive watches, they're they're fairly uh, they're they're fairly approachable. What's the going price, more or less, for these nowadays? Um, I think you know if you were looking for one in, in decent shape, you're probably now talking north of, of six thousand. Um, and certainly, if you buy one in crazy condition, you can get up to eight ten thousand somewhere in there. Which dollars or euros? Well, either 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 yeah. let's say but i think um yeah i mean to, to compare it to something like a submariner is you know some might find that to be kind of a silly comparison but on the other hand like i said an iconic dive, dive watch and um yeah certainly more unique or more rare than most submariners so i think you've got that, in a great Strap as well, huh? Tropic yeah. one. Yeah, I put it on a Tropic strap. I don't actually have the original bracelet for this one, um, which is kind of an expanding beads of rice bracelet that's it's a bit of a marvel on its own. But again, I just feel fortunate to have one and um, happy to be the uh, custodian of, of one of these watches. So Dial looks great. Yeah. yeah. Really very cool first choice. Yeah. Awesome. I think... On the way here today, because um, was, I was on a well, five-hour train trip from Constance, where I live on the German-Swiss border, and listened to the Two Broke Watch Snobs mm-hmm. podcast and heard Mike uh, from them talk about his doxa that he has, and I think he actually does have the Black Lung yep. uh, re-edition that he values very much, as he always speaks about, and he talked about taking it to his uh, trip to Italy that he went on. Mm. So yeah, awesome, awesome, uh, pure and watch enthusiast kind of watch. Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, definitely not a not a, a fancy brand that you uh, associate with uh, endorsers or anything like that, but but that's okay. So so what do you got next, Daniel? Okay, my second choice would be my Rolex Explorer, the contemporary thirty nine millimeter one, but that would be the Mark One. Mm-hmm. Some consider it to be like the least desirable Explorer because a lot of enthusiasts obviously go for the ten sixteen or the one as you have yourself, the, there are like two 36 millimeter var- variants. I think the one 14 to 17, and then the other one, right? Then the 14 to 17, I think. And you have the 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 latter one. Yes, yes, the earlier so, one. And then I have the two 14 to 70 Mark One. That would be the one with the short stubby hands and the non-loomed numerals. Mm-hmm. And that's a very special watch to me because. That is, first of all, the first watch that I ever really wanted that I can remember. My dad uh, came home one day with a uh, Rolex uh, catalog and I browsed through it and saw all the flashy uh, golden watches and so on. And and just uh, and then he actually told me, you know, which one would you actually like? And I said, yeah, actually don't lo- like most of them <laughs> especially this weird thing that you have over the loop and he then explained the cyclops to me but i said this one i really like and especially because there was like some history and that was the back then the 36 millimeter and because that was like in the 90s the 36 millimeter variant of the explorer especially with the with the um entire mount everest history and so on but i just like the the clarity of the dial and that it wasn't, you know, so to say, under the radar and it uh, just liked the style of it and how it looked. And I said, Dad, one day I'm going to get that watch. And it only took me like 17 years, I think. It's not uh, bad. And then I got it. And actually, funny story to be told is was my first mechanical watch mm. that I ever bought or I actually ever owned. And that was in... On the day today, it was it's six years ago that I actually ordered that watch. Oh, wow. I was drunk, <laughs> <laughs> uh, had an awesome nights out in a cocktail bar in Constance with friends, and I had been roaming the internet for and looking up prices, what they go for. But at that night, I saw one in great condition pop up on eBay, and I said, okay, I'm just going to put, put in a lowball offer back then was like three three thousand seven hundred euros nice anyway and then next day we went to the like this industrial music festival in zurich the street parade (laughs) and i didn't have any roaming and any internet connectivity there so i had a um, day there of partying and having fun didn't have kids back then that was the time when that was still possible (laughs) and i came home and got an email you were the highest bidder. Nice. And I got it for like 3,700 3, something euros and didn't really have the cash available at that time. And so, but then I just had to tell that to my wife. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just, you know, I made it happen. And it was the watch that I wore when my first kid was born. I talked about the Speedy being the one that I wore as my second kid was born. I wore this when my uh, son was born, Aaron in October 2014 and I got that one yeah on August 2000 what was it then 13 six, uh, 13. 13 yeah 13 yeah. yeah 6 years ago yeah and I love it 
and I don't um, at times I thought about maybe um, after mark 2 um, of this variant came out I thought about maybe changing the hands and and swapping the dial you know just that I have that watch but with the loom numerals and the and the uh, long hands but I don't really care I like it nonetheless and love the watch it's um, yeah very versatile watch um, a lot of people I talk to especially like on Facebook groups and so on say it's uh, this the strength of the watch and also the weakness because mm -hmm. you know it is like so versatile that it's not it's not a diver it's not a chrono or anything else you can wear it to everything you know, it's like perfect beach to boardroom watch but it's nothing 100 percent you yeah. know what I mean yeah, I, I, I still don't know what a definition is of a field watch, but I guess the Explorer is probably the ultimate one. So sort of a three-hand watch that can do it all, right? Yeah, and, and I talked to a friend of mine, Eric, today, and he is actually quite taken by the Railmaster, mm. uh, the Omega Railmaster, especially the, the uh, Trilogy yep. re-edition. Um, but what I really have to say where the, uh, role, the Explorer uh, has plus points re uh, compared to the Railmaster is it has a screw down crown yep. and it has 100 meters of water resistance. Yeah. The Railmaster has 60 meters of water resistance and no screw down crown. So in comparison, you know, design wise, you can always like the one better than the other, but the other one, the Explorer is just more versatile in yep. that aspect. Oh, fair enough. Cool. And your second one? So my second one, I picked kind of an appropriate one. Uh, yeah, well, you're you're listening to this um, you know, a week or so after we recorded it, but um, did an article on the uh, Seiko Five Sports reintroduction, which uh, is a lineup of an astounding 27 different variants of the same watch, um, but uses a case that's um, pretty familiar to most most people. It looks like the SKX. Uh, 007, 009, 011 case. Um, and in the article, and, and even in the press information uh, Seiko sent, they uh, called upon the first Seiko 5 sports watch from 1968, and that happened to be the 6106-8120. And they showed a black one in uh, their press uh, information, but I happen to own the blue one. And it's a yeah it it it's one of many of these uh sport diver watches that Seiko made during that period so kind of like 67 68 through the early 70s and they were branded either Seiko or Seiko 5 and they were 70 meter water resistant watches some of them had rotating bezels some of them not um some of them internal and external this one is kind of a funky, I don't know, you'd kind of call it a C-case type shape, but it's 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 very of the era. Um, not a small watch, um, but wearable. And um, yeah, it's got kind of like a, a blue bezel and then internally has a dark blue dial and then kind of a light blue chapter ring um, that, that really gives it kind of some cool pop. And you know, if I'm being honest on, on these new watches, I mean, I like all the variety that Seiko came out with, especially in that um, familiar case. I was kind of critical about the fact that they're they're not real divers, but that's, that's sort of the point of these Seiko 5 watches anyway, of just being more sporty watches, not real divers. Um, 
but I but I kind of hope that um, with whatever Seiko is doing, they bring back some of these kind of neat styles from that period and and just the variety of color uh, that they used. And and with what they started off with here um, in this set of new releases, I think it it bodes well. But anyhow, I thought I'd bring out the original Seiko Five Sports Watch just to uh, to celebrate uh, the announcement. Really just a great article. So guys, we're going to link that in the show notes as well. Check it out if you haven't already. And this one, I must say, really looks awesome. I think Mike underplayed it a little bit. I think it's just perfect. It's really, really an awesome watch. Glad you have it. Yeah, thanks. All right, so third and final, Daniel. Okay, that one would be my dad's Dugana Tropica. My dad... Uh, passed last year and um, that's why I I got this watch that's the watch that he himself got in 1963 Mm. after watching Dr. No James Bond in 1962 and back then you guys just have to know that it really was something special when a watch was water resistant or that you could actually take it into the water and get it wet um, especially mechanical being back then so my dad got that watch to actually have a nice watch while going on his world trip my dad went on to a world trip in 1964 with his um, ducky car as i always call it with his citroen 2cv or mm. french de chevaux with i think at that time it had 16 horsepower <laughs> and his friend and my dad went on to a world trip that actually ended uh, 20 years later, um, exactly 20 years later, and got my dad into the Guinness Book of World Records, and he um, covered over 80 countries, and that's uh, one of the reasons that I was born in the U.S., because my dad got my got to know my mom in the U.S., and they got married, and then they had me there. And yes, this watch is very special. He took it on both of his world trips, on that one. And later in 1998, he did another world trip in the same car, hmm. uh, doing a around the world in 80 days. And he went through Russia, uh, parts where he couldn't go on his first first world trip, and go on the went on the Trans-Siberian Railroad oh, as wow. well. And yeah, that's that watch is in service right now. So um, have to have it uh, redone. But that's a watch that is very special to me, and I'm looking forward to handing that down to my son one day. It's a simple three-hander watch, and it has some heavy patina on it. But just like, just imagine where my dad has been. You know, he was <laughs> to Thailand, going driving through the mud and so on. And um, yeah, maybe I'm gonna do a little write-up about that on on Fratello one day. Yeah. So, but yeah, really a very special watch very dear to me and yeah that's definitely a keeper oh that's great yeah it's crazy i was so darmstadt is uh i don't know only about uh 30 kilometers or let's say less than 20 miles south of frankfurt and the dugana headquarters is in darmstadt and i kind of went the wrong way one day and i went by it and it's this kind of still kind of a neat looking headquarters with a very old school sign but unfortunately when you go on the Dugana website today it's basically all kind of low cost quartz watches so yeah it is a 
big big difference of you know talking vintage Dugena and then going on their contemporary site or actually uh, trying to you know read up a little bit on the brand yeah. and it's I don't want to say as technically is not as bad as the Doxa website yeah <laughs> which <laughs> which is all almost archaic yeah. but nonetheless I really liked what Dugena and they have some nice chronographs as well mm. from the 60s oh yeah so really some nice ones there as well so if you haven't had that brand on your on your radar yet look into it did a lot of yeah. hoyers a lot of caliber 11 uh watches and those whackman big boys that are yeah privately labeled duganas sometimes so. yeah with the with the crown on the left hand yeah, side yeah, right yeah, yes yeah. So. yeah so really nice as well so yeah uh, look it up dugana yeah great all right, so on to my third and final watch, and I thought I would bring out a Citizen here today, and I've got a Citizen 62-6198 Diver from 1976 on an original Tropic strap with a Citizen buckle. So Tropic actually uh, supplied to brands like Citizen and Seiko um, for some of their watches, and this is a... 150 meter diver that um, yeah Citizen kind of made this style for a number of years for probably about 10 10 years over I don't know roughly a handful of different references that you know it takes a close eye or keen eye to to notice the differences Um, but really big bright green loom filled indices Um, it does have kind of a Rolex aping uh, our hand that's got the Mercedes um, uh, portions or, or slices there of loom. Um, it's got interestingly a red uh, fonted date wheel, um, but kind of a, a big cool watch that's somewhere around 40 millimeters, um, automatic. It's got a screw down crown. And yeah, they, these citizens, um, I think at some point also were used by you know, various militaries as well. Um, I think in Israel, for example. Um, but you see, um, you see these online and frankly, they, they were pretty cheap up until about a year or two ago. So you could buy these early seventies, mid seventies citizens for somewhere on the, in the range of, you know, a few hundred dollars. And, They've gone up pretty pretty uh, well since then. So now you're probably talking 600 to over a thousand. But really beefy, well-made watch that will you know we'll have pictures in um, in the article when this goes live. But you know I've yet to do an article on these, and I need to soon. I've got a couple more kind of coming my way that are um, relatives of these watches, and yeah, I, I think Seiko gets a lot of the um, gets a lot of the press and and they should um i think movement wise maybe seiko was a little bit more ahead of the game but you know the citizens that i have from the 60s and 70s by and large um they've aged really really well and in in some cases better than the seikos so um fantastic watches i would just invite you that if you're into vintage uh, seiko you should take a look at Vintage Citizen as well. There's not a ton of information out there in English, unfortunately. They just didn't seem to be as um, 
prevalent in the Western markets as Seiko uh, during those periods. But if you're willing to put in the hard work and and read through boards and translate some Japanese um, using using some apps or whatever, you can find out some pretty good information. All right, so so that kind of clears our first topic, and um, I know we're we're about 45 minutes in here, so we'll we'll try to speed up the next area. Um, but we got a question from, from Peter from, from Poughkeepsie, New York, asking us about uh, below 40 millimeter sports watches. So once again, we're each going to pick a few and we're going to go a little faster through these. Um, but just some recommendations on, on smaller sports watches that, um, yeah, I mean, especially for somebody like me who doesn't have a huge wrist, this is, this is a good topic. And I'm sure there are some of you out there, and I think just as styles change now, you know, large, large watches are, are perhaps not not for everyone uh, anymore. So, Daniel, kick us off. Okay. So me having a, what is it, a 6.7 inch wrist or 17 centimeters, I actually uh, like watches to be sub 40 millimeters or around that size. So my first pick would yeah be non-mechanical would actually be the watch that my four and a half year old son just snatched from me <laughs> that would be the casio f91w the classic and i got it used for five dollars <laughs> and put it on a six dollar nato strap nice. and my watch uh, my my son uh, saw me wearing it and you know one day whatever i think already a year ago when he was like three and a half I wrapped it around his wrist and he loved that it glows when you push the little illumination uh, button. And now he actually wore it to kindergarten the last week and he doesn't want to take it off again. And, you know, he can take it into the water when he's swimming. And I told him not to push the button when he when he's underwater. So, but yeah, that's an awesome watch. It's, I think, 34 millimeters. Nice. And as I don't really like the size of the G-Shocks, they're just too big for me. I wrote to uh, uh, Gerard of Team Fratello about that today because he's like a giant uh, G-Shock enthusiast. Check out some of his uh, articles on Fratello that he did. Very informative. And yes, so because they're all like at least 42, 43 yeah. millimeters or even more than that. Um, I really like the Casio F91W, and that would be my first choice. Cool. So my first choice is a, is a watch that I've had, actually I wore on my wedding day, um, and that's an IWC Mark 12. And this one is from the, I guess, early 90s, and this was the 36 millimeter, yeah, the Mark 12, which followed up the kind of legendary Mark 11 military watch. Um, didn't really follow it up. There was a huge gap there between that official military watch and then this publicly offered watch. <clears throat> and I really like this one because it's it's a simple watch in 36 millimeters. It's got a very kind of utilitarian case, but it's well finished. Um, this one, I'm fortunate enough to, to have all the boxes and papers, and I've got the, the black buffalo strap that it came with and the kind of mesh beads of rice bracelet, which is, I think I put in my article, just one of the best bracelets I've, I've ever had the pleasure of of wearing. Um, it's an extremely supple. It just really, 
sits well on the on the wrist and it's it's just super comfortable um the Mark 12 is, I think, kind of unique in IWC Mark, let's say, history because it uses a JLC movement, which is another Richemont brand. Um, it's the JLC 889-2, which runs at 28,800 beats per hour in hacks um, with a quick set date. It's somewhat uh, known for being fragile, although I've never had a problem and I just think it adds something special to the watch um, because after that, um, I believe basically all the marks used uh, Edas or Solitas or Soprods, and that that to me makes it special. And you can find these for under three thousand. Um, there was like a period of time there where they were really tough to find, and it seemed like they were catching fire, um, but they now seem to be pretty prevalent. And I would tell you if you're in the market for something like an Explorer, which is a perfectly fine watch for under 40 millimeter in the sport uh, zone. Um, this is a pretty worthwhile watch to try. It definitely um, wears well. It looks great. Um, just really try to get that that steel bracelet. So, Yeah, I'm having seen this watch for the first time today. Really, that's actually uh, the first watch that I grabbed while, when I saw it on the table. And yeah, awesome awesome dial looks pristine and really an awesome watch worthy watch to have married with <laughs> yeah yeah thanks so number two daniel okay my number two as my newly acquired seiko 7002 does not make the list with being 41 millimeters i chose the skx 013 mm. another classic and yeah coming in with 38 millimeters is just a great size for people who uh, don't want to um, take the SKX 007 or 009 or now the new Seiko 5 routes. And I think they have 42 and a half millimeters, right? Yep. Okay, so that would be my choice. Uh, I've seen that watch in the metal as well. I've never owned it, but a friend of mine, Aaron, uh, has or had that watch. And yeah, it's um, some might say with that size, it may sit a little bit high compared to this case diam diameter, but I thought it even looked well on my wrist. And you, they can have be, um, Kevin could, uh, can be gotten from like around $250 or euros. We just looked that up. So a solid choice. And yeah. then either if you're new to the game and you want something as an introduction to mechanical pieces, or even if you're a veteran collector, it's a great watch to have. Yeah, so, so out of production now, but still available on, on sites like Amazon. So, and I think uh, Gerard has one of those, so. <laughs> I don't know which Seiko he doesn't have, but the <laughs> yeah, same with you. Uh, yeah, a lot of watches you guys have. Um, yeah, but it's it's an awesome watch, and I think that's would be a great, choice if you're looking for a sub 40 millimeter sports watch yeah that's a great one and i'll and i'll follow it up with a very s sort of similar looking watch um i chose the uh, seiko sbcm 023 perpetual calendar um, this is a watch that's been out of production for several years right now and it's kind of an oddball it's um it's a quartz watch so it uses seiko's 8f 35 movement which um 
yeah, it's not something uh, when you go to change a battery that that's super easy to do on your own. So probably something to take to the uh, to the nearest Seiko boutique if you've got one. But it's a very unassuming watch. It looks a lot like uh, the watch that Daniel just mentioned. Um, it's got the same shape as the uh, SKX series. So your you know four o'clock crown, sort of uh, the case forming around it. And, um, but yet it's got this just ridiculously accurate perpetual calendar quartz movement. And to me, it, it, it's just sort of a, a go anywhere, do anything watch. It comes on a, on a really nice kind of oyster style bracelet. I mean, you compare that with a NATO rubber or whatever else you want as well, but it's a diver. Um, and yeah, like I said, the accuracy is, is super cool. It's date only, so there's no day showing. So it kind of unclutters the dial a little bit, but yet still looks familiar. Um, these watches were, uh, they were, they, they weren't inexpensive when they were new. They were around, I think somewhere around $500 or something. Um, they were a little bit, um, such a niche watch that I don't think that they did incredibly well and Seiko stopped making it. Um, they were pretty affordable for a while. You could sometimes find them for a few hundred dollars, uh, $400. And I think that's what I paid for mine last year, but that's getting harder and harder to find. I would say probably more five, $600 is more the, more the realm that they, they sit in today, but it's still a great value. And um, yeah, if you're, if you're a fan of kind of technical things, uh, perpetual calendar is, is a neat thing to, to own. So yeah, you basically just don't have to, don't have to change a date. So it is a perfect grab and go watch. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So Daniel, number okay. three, my number three. Yeah. That would actually to go full circle would be the watch that I'm wearing today. The Seamaster Trilogy nice. watch. And yeah, just it's 39 millimeters. And as I met up with a fellow collector um, who bought the 41 millimeter Seamaster 300 um, with the ceramic bezel, mm, the yeah. one, I don't know the reference now, but the one of which they did the Spectre then later on. So that Seamaster 300 variant. And he was really amazed as he wears the Seamaster almost um, you know on a daily basis but how he said what kind of difference these two millimeters make oh yeah and he actually kind of regretfully said that he likes this better <laughs> just how it wears with its 39 millimeters and it actually appears a bit different as well because as you look at the bezel you have the outer part that's the bezel action on this one it is not a ISO certified diver as it's a one-to-one re-edition of the version of 1957. Uh, right. uh, so the um, bezel is actually um, and, yes, and it doesn't have a illuminated um, uh, seconds hand, but yeah, um, the outer, it's, it's an aluminum bezel and it's black on the outside and the inner part of it is like metal or it's like silver and yeah I really really like it some people or as I, maybe that's one of the reason that this watch is uh, still available here and there because it's very hard to photograph I think you mentioned that mm. in your 
in your review back a, then as well in 2017. Quite a domed crystal, yeah? Yeah, and it, it has anti-reflective layer on it, I think, on the inside of the crystal, but it's very hard to take pictures mm. of it. And even more so if you have it on the bracelet, but um, this inner part of the bezel, it being like this reflective steel as well, makes it even um, harder yep. to take uh, decent pictures of it. But having it on the wrist i've this is ever since i've had it i actually keep very nerdy i actually keep a, an excel sheet i'm showing it to mike right now of how many times i i've worn which watch oh, wow. i've done that for the last two years wow so and this one arrived on june 26th and since then i have worn this watch just let me check that is 33 and 30 yeah 39 days oh that's pretty good so since then i can just tell you i don't really have that many watches right now in total i only have six mm -hmm. so with the speedmaster being broken and the dugena being in service as well i only have um the explore the casio and my newly bought seiko 7002 besides that and yeah this is my watch and I think yeah, I didn't have to wind it one single time because even if I wore a different watch, this one with having I think 55 hours of power reserve, it didn't stop on me once. I always grabbed it within those two and a half days. Yeah, and I love it. Really an awesome watch, 39 millimeters and looking at this domed sapphire crystal, this one doesn't have the plexi as the Speedmaster re-edition does. Mm. This one has the has the sapphire and yeah some, some people argue about the loom being <clears throat> excuse me the loom being too uh, too orangish or too uh, faux patina style i don't mind it i think on several pictures it looks actually more intense as it does in real life yeah i'm with you i'm with you there and they really did a, I don't know, it's a one-to-one -one re edition They even did the engraved logo on the sapphire as well. And even though this has a modern coaxial movement, what was it again? 8806 or something like that. Um, they went with the solid case bag with the hippocampus. And yeah, it's, it's an awesome watch. Um, can you know mostly worn it on either the stainless steel bracelet which i have kind of mixed feelings about i don't mind the polished outer parts of the of the of the bracelet i don't have it with me right now i'm wearing it on the oem strap but one point that i really love about the new um, omega speedmaster the the 50th anniversary model of the moon landing one is that the bracelet tapers mm, and that yep. the clasp is so so thin yeah. because this one is 19 millimeters which puts you into a whole other issue of getting decent straps for it but actually i i put it on 18 millimeter nato straps or uh, fit 20 millimeter uh, leather straps into it nicely as well but the bracelet of this one doesn't taper at all and the clasp is actually quite substantial yeah oh. so i think that's another point that you addressed in your review as well yeah. I think I reread that like six or seven times <laughs> before pulling the trigger on this one. But, you know, um, there are uh, uh, some points, you know, no watch is perfect, but nonetheless, 
this watch for me comes pretty close. And mm -hmm. as I said, this commemorates joining the Fortello team in a very, very special uh, point in time in my career. So it is dear to me. And yeah, Great. that's my number three. No, it's a it's an apt purchase to uh, to join the team. And you know, you you mentioned the uh, the Seamaster three hundred, and I think the big difference between the two, yeah, there's the two millimeters, but that Seamaster three hundred has some incredibly long lugs. Like the lug to lug on that watch is huge. Um, I reviewed a gold one, and it, it was big. I mean, this watch fits. Perfectly. Put it on your wrist. Yours a Do you know the exact diameter of yours? Because your wrist is a little bit smaller than mine. No, I have no idea. Except it's it's just incredibly small. Yeah, but, but it but it's it's yeah, it's, it's still really, works well on yours. It's perfect on your wrist. So yeah, great watch, great watch. Yeah, and, and I actually uh, sold two pieces to fund it, so to say, because I always I very constrict or confine myself what I spend on watches and. I had to heavy-heartedly let the Hoyer Carrera reissue um, from the mid-90s. Had to let go of that one and the Oris Carl Brashear diver um, to fund this one. But I, although the other twos are, uh, two are awesome watches as well, really love this one and I don't regret it a bit. Uh, it's, a, it's a great watch. and Yeah, I mean, speaking of bronze Oris watches, that's my, that's my third one here. Um, my third watch, uh, kind of a sports watch below 30 millimeters, is the uh, Oris Big Ground Crown Pointer Date Bronze in 36 millimeters. So I kicked off the show saying I've got a 40 millimeter bronze pointer date on, but uh, the 36 millimeter pointer date is, having tried it on, is just a fantastic watch. And you know, Oris does dial colors so well, and this is a, a green dial, kind of more like a, I call it like a chalkboard green, yeah. if, if, if you know what a, what an old chalkboard looks like, for those of you who uh, actually were around when, when it wasn't only whiteboards, but um, it's just kind of this uh, sort of, of uh, matte green, mid-green color that just looks great against the uh, the bronze case and a, and a brown leather strap. And it's got a really nice movement. Um, I think the, you know, to for those who can't stand a date window, the pointer date is a really cool compromise because it looks like another complication um, with that nice uh, kind of red pointer that points to the outside of the dial uh, that runs from 1 to 31. And best of all with this, um, with the pointer date is that it retails, at least here in Germany, for 1,700 euros, which I think is, is really good value for, for a watch with, you know, a slightly unique, um, slightly unique way of showing the date and just really an all-around great-looking watch. So, yeah, so that's that. I have to agree. Really an awesome watch. And, yeah, especially the pointer date complication just gives uh, and the nice cathedral hands and as you said the nice dials that Oris does really a good choice yeah well Daniel I think that um, that wraps up episode four um, we're about an hour in and um, really appreciate you joining here um, for anyone uh, that's interested in following Daniel your Instagram is yeah Dan T. Mueller with some random dots in between yeah so Dan T. Mueller. 
and I'm on Mike in Frankfurt. And as always, if you have questions or suggestions for the show, uh, we love to get topics. Uh, please come to us at info at fortellowatches.com. 